want to greet our pastor, Pastor Doreen, Minister John and family, all our ministers, our um, assistant pastors, our bishops in the house. Brethren, I greet you in the name of our Lord Jesus. I um, will take the opportunity, yes, to say, as, 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 as much as we understand in our hearts, have a happy new year. Uh, 2020 has been absolutely terrible for us. We know we've lost many loved ones, family, brethren, uh, friends. And clicking over from 2020 to 2021 doesn't solve and doesn't create a new environment for us necessarily. Um, and we carry the pain. And my prayer is that the Lord will will help us as we help each other in our time of mourning, in our time of sorrow. Our condolences from my family to our brethren in the local church. I was reading the scriptures and thinking on the devastation and my mind went to the Book of Lamentations. Now, it's not my scripture, so I won't spend more than a minute there, but the Bible tells us that the Babylonians had so devastated the place, they had destroyed and taken away the finest people they wanted and the choicest vessels from the land. And they had killed so many. Jeremiah said, Lord, we cannot even bury the dead. They are just all over the streets. That was the devastation of what the Babylonians did. But in chapter 3, Jeremiah said, my tears are like a river. They're flowing like a river because we can't even bury our lost ones anymore. But then he said, but this thing I recall, something's come back to my mind. Therefore, I have hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. Why? Because they are new every morning in the midst of the devastation. Yes, they are new every morning. So he said, great is thy faithfulness. We know it's a song, it's a scripture and a song that we sing often, frequently, and we do love. But it was birthed out of absolute disaster. And so it is, as we are in this pandemic, and we, we might be able to see a way out with a vaccine, but it doesn't soothe the heart from the losses. But Jeremiah said, you know what? It's come to my mind that we're not all dead. Some of us are still here. And he used that to say, Lord, it's of your mercies. Literally, we are not all consumed. That's what he was saying. It's of your mercies. We are not all consumed. Why? Because your mercies are new every morning, even in the midst of the pandemic. Great is thy faithfulness. My topic that I have is victory through the power of prayer. And as we're going through the 21 days of praying, um, we, encourage, we encourage one another to pray, to be steadfast in prayer. We encourage one another to pray fervently, as the scripture says. When I was young, I used to um, periodically pray to the Lord that he would help my football team to win. And my, my team used to win a lot, but I, I, I realized it wasn't because um, the Lord was helping us because there was probably Christian support in the other team that was praying for God to help them. So God don't answer those football prayers. 
does he? A few years ago, I chuckled when I, I read about a young, a young man who did an exam on a Friday in school. And over the weekend, he realized one of his answers at least were wrong. And on Sunday, he was asked to pray and he was praying. And as he was praying, he would every now and then shout out the word Tokyo in his prayer. He prayed a few words and shout out Tokyo. And at the end of the service, the pastor asked him, why do you keep saying Tokyo in your prayer? And he says, well, pastor, I did a test on Friday and I realized I got one of the questions wrong. And I really need the Lord to make the capital of France, Tokyo. <laughs> I still chuckle at that. We know God isn't going to do that. But I mentioned those two to say, are we praying football and Tokyo prayers? And they're just called something else. Things that God isn't going to do. And we've added them to our prayer list. And it's got nothing to do with the Lord and what we would call victory. Are we asking God for some Tokyo actions? Are we shouting them out, thinking God will do it because we say it a certain way? And we put on a prayer voice. <laughs> so God must act now because I've got my prayer voice on. No, we know that's not the case. There is so much I would want to say at this, but I mourn aloud. But let me move on quickly and say, Jesus said to the woman at the well that salvation is of the Jews. I mentioned that because it says salvation is from the Jews. That's literally what the Lord was saying. So if salvation is from the Jews, then we have to understand how the Jews saw key aspects of what we call salvation, what we call faith, what we call following God, so that we can pray in a way that God is going to respond to an answer. Because they were the model. God had them for the world to see how we ought to deal with him. Now, we are ecstatic people as Pentecostals. We thrive on the ecstatic, on the inspiration. So we don't necessarily read from prayer books and we feel uncomfortable. But when we look at the prayers our Lord prayed, the majority of his prayers were from the prayer book, literally from the book of Psalms. The majority of our Lord's prayers, even finally on the cross, his words to the Father were from the book of Psalms. When he prayed, um, or when he was asked by the disciples, Lord, teach us how to pray as John has taught his disciples to pray. Our Lord gave them the Amida. He quoted from the Amida. The, the, um, in the sanctuary of the Hebrews, they have 21 benedictions. And our Lord put together a few of those benedictions for the form of what we call the Lord's Prayer. It wasn't an ecstatic prayer off the top of his head for inspiration. It was quite specific. I'm not saying our ecstatic prayers are wrong. Not at all. No. But my topic is victory through the power of prayer. So I'm trying to say to us, is there something the Hebrews understood about prayer that we may be missing and we need to add to what we do to make our prayers more effective? Because often our prayer lists are getting longer, not shorter at all and these are the thoughts that was on my mind the main thing that the jews see when they think of prayer is introspection they think of a time of self-analysis a time of self-observation a time of soul searching their prayers are based on thoughtfulness so they the most of the time it's looking inward that's what their prayers are based on 
I would love to spend so much time there, but I can't. But we see it with the Lord. It uses a term that we know doesn't apply to the Lord in our English Bibles. It said the Lord repented of the action he chose to do. The Lord was going to destroy Nineveh. And when he saw that they had repented, the Bible says he repented of the actions. The Lord, the Bible says, repented that he made man. Now, it's not repented like how you and I repent. We know that. We repent because we're wrong. We turn around because we've sinned. But God hasn't sinned. So we have a weakness in our language to explain what God was doing. But the Jews understood that to be introspection, a time of looking inward and saying, what are motives here? Why would I do this? Will I change that? That's the body of the Jewish prayer. It's introspection. And that's what they teach us if we will learn about what prayer is. It is mainly a time of introspection, but we because of how we're taught prayer in our English wording and language and patterns, see prayer as a thing of request. In fact, we will say, I pray you do this for me. <laughs> that just pretty much shows it, how we view prayer. Completely different to how the Hebrews still view prayer as a time of great introspection. So when the Lord did introspection based on what he could see, he says, I will change my mind. I have had a time of introspection. And that's what we're called to do. There's so much time we could do there. But self-judgment comes through those times. Jesus, as I said, he uses um, the um, Jewish prayers. He uses the book of Psalms in his prayers. So there's something key about repeating scriptures. There's something key about the link between linking what God has said in his word in our request and time with him. If we're not asking for anything, the Lord Jesus still used his word in a prayer. And that's what he taught his disciples. But they knew that. How do the Hebrews understood that to be? Again, because of time, I can't even stay there any longer. But I hope there are some pointers for us. With regards to victory through the power of prayer, something that came to my mind as I was um, seeking the Lord on this was we must create an environment that requires a miracle. We must create an environment that demands God act or nothing will happen. It can't be something that's easily within our grasp that we can do. A few weeks ago, I saw on um, Facebook, one of our church sisters had typed on there, um, um, Father, I pray that you will look after the homeless as the weather gets cold. And I thought, great, God is now on Facebook. <laughs> I, must, I must follow him, firstly. And secondly, God ain't going to respond to that. He's not going to respond to that. That's something within our grasp. Why would I email a prayer to the Lord to look after the homeless when he says, Ian, you've got three coats you're not using? And you just ordered a new one off Amazon. Go bring them three coats and you know who the homeless are. Why would I bring that prayer to the Lord? I've got scarves I don't use. So I give them to the homeless. Shoes I don't use. Can this fit you? Give that to the homeless. Or we might give it to the various charities that will distribute it far and wide better than we could. These are acts that we can do and don't have to add to a prayer list. I don't have to 
add to the prayer list. Lord, I'm seeking inspiration. We pray for inspiration. No, 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 no. I don't have to do that. I don't have to add to a prayer list. Lord, I'm seeking revelation of your word. No, 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 no. I can study. Set aside time and study. Get the canary because God's word to me is like a mine. Throw the canary in the mine and let's go deep. Let's go dig it. Let's go. Let's see how deep we can go. God might give you an idea, but he's not saying just pray to him and he will give you the, give you the sermon. He's saying, no, no, no. You've got to get some digging. You've got to put your light on and go into the mind of my word and find me there. Are you willing to dig? But we have a time that we just think is okay just to send a prayer and God will do what we're supposed to do. So we create an environment for a miracle. Final thing I'll say on creating an environment for a miracle is our Lord was challenged by his disciples. There's at least 5,000 men here. We ain't even going to bother counting the women and the children. They're hungry, but too far. <laughs> How are we going to feed them? Send them away, Lord. Every man for himself. The Lord said, make them sit down. That is an environment for a miracle. That's exciting. Well, sit down? Yes. Not, not just sit down. In 50s, there's instructions for victory. So we have the environment for a miracle. And we have instructions for victory. God is specific, not ad hoc. <laughs> so God said, do it this way. Don't get tired at 25 and say, just sit down there, shh, keep it quiet. And don't try and cram in five more when you reach 50 because, you know, let's just keep it tight. So we're putting 55. No, we have instructions for victory along with an environment for a miracle. There's something that only God can do and we have his instructions. So guess what? We're now going to look for victory because we're obeying him again. Can't spend any more time there. So we move on. But let me say this. Our God is mighty. He can do anything. Don't get embarrassed to challenge the Lord to do something. Oh, I could give you testimonies. I could bring people online to give testimonies who had cancer. And we went and prayed. And they went back to their GP and said, cancer's gone. Even just recently, last week, another sister that we've been praying for for a few months, the doctor said, gone. Cells back to normal. Don't worry. And they recorded the conversation for me. And they asked the doctor the question, are you saying it's gone, it won't come back? The doctor said, I can see nothing that will say this cancer will come back. He said, I can't put it in writing because some people would sue us if something happened in the future. But in my medical experience, what I have seen, your cells are back to normal. That's a praise the Lord. That's a praise the Lord time. I could give so many testimonies could bring people on to testify themselves of what God has done. Why? Because there's an environment for a miracle, not being safe and saying, let's not try it just in case we fail. No, let them sit down. Bands of fifties, bring them here. Let's lay hands, let's pray. Let's pray over Zoom. It's the same God. We create an environment for a miracle. And that's what we talk about, victory through the power of prayer. God, is, God can't be limited. I chuckled at the Lord or with the Lord yesterday. I was reading Psalms 24. I tried to read Psalms 24. 
I got stuck on the first two verses. It said, the, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. And when I read that, I just said, I've never seen this before. But I heard the Lord whisper, I tell you not to build on sand, but I have established the earth on the seas and I have founded it on the floods. I couldn't read. I did not read verse three. I could get no further. I rejoiced in verse one and two. My God, who tells me not to build on sand, he built all of this on the sea and established it on the floods. That's a praise the Lord moment right there. That's my God. That's your God. He is mighty. And he says, you want victory? Create the environment for a miracle. And trust me, and I will do it. So much wows. <laughs> so much wows there. But we move on quickly. But who determines victory? Who determines if it's victory? Is it me with my limitations? Or is it God who can do all things? Is it God who challenges us to move and to act? and to do of his good pleasure. It never starts in us. Wow. Let me give a quick testimony. And I'll try and say it quickly, because I'm trying to cram it all in. I got off the bus, Northampton Town, where I live. And um, there is one black man, his name is George, who's homeless. He's the only one who we see in town. I'm sure there are other people, black people in Northampton who are homeless. There must be. But we only physically see one. He's the only one in the town centre. I got off the bus walking towards George and I'd frequently buy him lunch or something, you know, give him things. And my family, my children would come and say, Dad, we're giving George this and so on. And on this occasion, I heard the Lord say to me, go to the burger van and make an arrangements with them to feed George every day and pay for it. Tell them you'll pay for it. I thought, I ain't doing that. I walked past George. Don't even think I said good morning to George. And I went to where I was going, walked past the burger van, and I heard the Lord say, stop and make the arrangement. I ain't doing that. Did what I had to do. As I'm coming back, I thought, I need to go another way because the Lord is just going to be bothering me with this thing about George. And I, 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 I'm bad, but I'm not that bad. So I'm walking past the burger van, and I hear the Lord say, make the arrangement like I told you. It's clear like you're standing next to me. He was standing next to me. I walk past the burger van. I see a long queue. I say, I ain't staying in that queue. It wasn't the money. I felt uncomfortable, felt embarrassed, felt whatever. And I ignored it. And I looked and I could see George was no longer there. And I thought, great, my bus is coming. Let me get on my bus. And I walk around the corner and George is walking past me as I turn around the corner. And the Lord says, forget the bus. Make the arrangement. I turn around. I go and join the back of the queue. And when it's my turn, I want to say it so quietly. And the woman isn't quiet. She don't know what's going on in my head. She says, how can I help you, love? And I said, oh, I'd like to make an arrangement with you to feed George. I'd like to pay the money so that every day she knew who George was because I bought things for from her and give it to George and she see me do it. And um, she says, no, you don't have to do that, love. And I says, yes, 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 I, I really need to. I will pay for his meals every day. Can I give you the money in advance monthly or do you want it weekly? She says, no, 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 you don't have to. I do that. I said, what do you mean? She says, I give George food every day. I says, okay, okay. Um, but can I pay half? Can I give you something? She said, no, I won't take your money. I enjoy doing it. It's what I do for George. I said, oh, thank you. 
I stepped away from the queue, confused. And as I began to walk, I heard the Lord say to me, that's all I wanted you to do. That's all he wanted me to do, was be obedient. I am determining what I think is victory, and God knows what he calls victory. I felt embarrassed and relieved and tearful. And I learned a lesson. I don't know why the Lord did that. Was it for somebody in the queue to hear me, to encourage them to be obedient to him? Was it to encourage the woman to keep doing what she's doing? Was it for someone listening to what I'm saying right now, to be obedient? But God determines victory, brethren. He determines victory. God wants us to do his will, to do his good pleasure. Let me end, please let me take another two minutes and I'll wrap up here. Where we can get is like that person who put on Facebook, Lord, you do this. Because we've, in, we've had infiltrated into what we call our Christian environment, a faith that isn't a faith of action, but it's a faith of words. It's a faith of thought. It's a Greek philosophy that says it belongs here. So I determine my faith needs charging up and I wind it up rather than I act it out like the Hebrews did. So what do we call faith? And we drop our standards, if I could say so. We say, raise your hand in faith. And that's what we call faith. We say, come forward to the altar in faith. And by coming forward, the person feels they've done their bit. Because the act of coming forward has been faith. You don't see that in the scriptures. No. Faith was an action. Abraham is told to leave Ur of the Chaldees to a place God was showing. Faith is demonstrated by saddling the donkey and leaving. Not by winding up, yes, I'm going to go one day, I'm going to go one day. I raise my hand, I'm going to go. That's not faith. No, sir. Abraham is told. Abraham and Sarah are told, he's 75, she's 65. You're going to have a child. 25, and, and Sarah says, will I have pleasure in my old age? Work that out. 25 years later, the angel come back and says, you're going to have a child. Sarah giggles and laughs. The angel says, you laugh. Yeah, I didn't laugh. Yes, you did laugh. Why is she laughing? Notice the angel did not say, you do not believe. You have not believed me for 25 years. Why? Because they've been trying to have the child. I'm trying to be clear without being too clear. They demonstrated their faith by doing what was necessary to have a child. So 25 years later, they have a giggle <laughs> because we've been trying, but nothing's happened. It wasn't a mind thing. There had to be an action. And then the child is born. And a number of years later, God said, I want you to kill him, sacrifice him to me. And he raises the knife. It wasn't a mind thing. It was physical, literal, go to kill his son. And God says, now I know. Now I know. That's just three examples. James, in his book, he talks about those who just have faith and no action. I'll probably end with that shortly. But the Bible is, is key for us. Because Hebrews, under the, the Hebrew brethren, the Jews understood, in order to say it is faith, there must be an action. It's really faithfulness. We don't have time to go into, you know, the, the, those um, other teachings, justification by faith and where that came from. But he's talking about being faithful. 
So God demands we link our prayer with action that is achievable by us. And also to give thanks to him and also what only he can do. We must create an environment for faith. Let me end with the scripture in Hebrews. And I'll read it quickly. He says, what does it profit a man, brethren? Though a man say he hath faith, James 2.14, and hath not works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give him not that which things are needful to, be, uh, to the body, what does it profit? Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. Yea, a man say, thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. The Bible is clear that we are called by God to be people of faith. We're called by God to be people who act out our faith. In order to have victory, we must first create an environment for a miracle. We must have introspection in our prayer. We must understand what prayer really is. And then we must know God is the one who determines victory. God bless you. God bless you.